On this week's Bet the Process podcast, I'll be dealing with a Rufus, which may be under the influence. We'll be talking a little bit about whether there's still value in college, and we'll actually be starting our college bowl contest, man versus machine, or at least Jeff versus Rufus. We're going to talk a lot about some of the narratives that drive value in the NFL and whether there's a way to model them, etc., then we'll be talking about our uh, super contest picks and doing our normal man versus machine in the NFL. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action uh, app, which is available on Google Play in the App Store. It is, as Barstool Big Cat says, the best app for tracking your sports bets, and it's not even close. It said something like that. Can't find it in our doc, but... Anyways, it's a great app. Try it out. Um, Great way to track all your bets and to get interesting gambling information. I won't always say good gambling information. I'll call it interesting. And so with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode 17 of the Bet the Process podcast. Originally, I called it episode 16, but uh, Rufus corrected me. Rufus is very coherent for someone that's been out all night partying in Budapest um, somehow. Wait, 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 Jeff. It's 11 p.m. How can I have been out all night? This is like when you get started. When I get started? These days, well, as a 40 year old my male... With- <laughs> that's like a very that's in Vegas. That's a that's a rare occasion for me these days. I'm getting old, man. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. It's I mean, happening. so am I. We're we're all getting old, dude. I'm like over. What am I? Over two decades older than you. How old are you? Thirty? No, 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 I'm thirty-two. And you, and you say that you look younger than me. Well, I do because I'm Asian and we well, age well. Except for one day, one day we will age. Like I'm gonna look like I'm in my thirties. Until I turn like 60 and then all of a sudden I'm going to look 80 in one day. That's just what happens to Asians. Well, it's unfair for me because I looked like I was 14, like through age 24. And then suddenly I'm getting wrinkles now. (laughs) It's all right. You're white and privileged. You'll be fine. Um, Okay. So let's start on this week in futures. Um, Obviously, uh, no change in college, I would assume. Um, Nothing. No no change. Yeah. I mean, I was still plus 186. I didn't even run the model for after the army navy game like i just was too lazy to do that you didn't think that the army and navy outcome would have a big no. impact by the way i mean it'll have an impact on two bowl games and i probably should do it but i was in israel and then i was in sofia and now i'm in budapest and eventually you guys like anything in that game um i lean towards army i'm not sure if i had a bet on it or not i don't remember that but did you ever check whether you guys bet on Ohio State in that last game against Wisconsin when the line got down to like three and a half? I didn't check. Sorry. Jesus. You told me you were going to make a there's note a, of it. A, check. There's a lot what to you, keep up with. You got better things to do in your life gallivanting around Europe? Gallivanting. Ooh. Maybe I should start doing that. Big word. It's a big word. Oh. Uh, okay. Big so word, then right? then – do you, I mean, obviously, Alabama is still plus 186, which I assume there's there's still some value there, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I have them, I think, still 42 or 43% to win the title game. So, 
Yeah, so plus one eighty six is obviously a lot of value. Would you, if you were a recreational better, would you bet that future and then bet them in each game, or would you just bet that future and kind of hold on to that ticket and enjoy it? Or, well, you know, I, honestly, I'd have to look at the money line and I'd have to do the math on the implied money line for if they won. You know, if they had to play either Georgia or Oklahoma. I am actually not sure which one would be better right now. So, yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing there may not be much value yeah. if they beat Clemson. So, really, grabbing the futures value at plus one eighty six, and then um, I assume you believe that there's value against them in Clem against them in the Clemson game. Yeah, honest. I, I played. I played a bit minus two and a half. Or, okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Or where would you where would you play that up until two and a half? Two and a half is the limit. Yeah, I wouldn't go higher than that. So we're going to grade your toutish behavior at two and a half? We can. We can Hopefully we can it's do that. available tomorrow because we're yeah, saying bet it's it. It's going to be minus three tomorrow probably. Bet it, bet it till the cows come home. And so, and so um, when it wins, when it wins, people will be like, oh, no, it doesn't count because it was minus three when the pod was released. No, I mean, I think we were pretty clear last week that we thought there was some value there, but we will make yeah. it an official bet the process podcast play at minus two and a half and hope that it is still minus two and a half when our trusty producer, Michael, actually posts this sometime tomorrow. Boom. Um, you see any value in the early bowl games? Maybe we should do a little bowl contest, although I'm guaranteeing you'll kick my butt. And um, we could do man versus machine in the in the pool in the podcast. For- okay, what are, what are the parameters for this contest? Do we each pick each game and see who does the best? Yeah, let's just do that. Okay, that's fair. So we'll I'll do finish. that through. Let's see, we'll do this through. We have to do it through Friday. Um, let's do it through Friday's games because we usually next Friday's games twelve twenty two because we normally actually let's do it through Thursday's games because this always gets posted. Um, sometime Thursday. So let's do it through Thursday, through um, Thursday, 1221's games. You got to give me a rotation number for that. Uh, well, I'm just looking at the handy sports action app. Yeah. So we're going to start with Troy right now. I have them giving seven to, um, sorry, getting seven from North Texas. And I mean, give it, giving seven to North Texas. That's that's what I said. You just didn't understand me. Must be well, a no, translation across the internet. Uh, I mean, it, you know, as a fluent Hungarian speaker, if that's a language, I can say I did not get you there. So this opened at six, moved to seven. Um, I'm going to take Troy minus the seven. Yeah, I'm on Troy minus seven as well. So I'm I on Troy minus six, to be honest, but I'm also on Troy minus seven now. Nice. nice. So bragging about moving lines jerk um okay that's not a disagreement then so do we only write down disagreements then now let's write it all down okay might as well all right i'll write it all down um game two wait wait, are you gonna write it out can you write it down in the sports action app Mm, i can and you can and we can track separately but there's no way to actually do like a contest about it i'm gonna do it i can only focus on one thing in these questions I'm doing it here. I'll let you do it. Okay. Uh, Western Kentucky giving six and getting, sorry, giving six and a half to Georgia State. This is your turn to pick first. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Western Kentucky. I'm guessing you got some of them at minus four and a half. 
I got some of them somewhere. Yeah, I'm also worse by six. I'm also going to take Western Kentucky. Okay. Oregon, Boise State. Oregon, Boise State. Oregon is giving seven and a half. I am going to take. God, this is tough. This is a tough one. I agree. Um. I mean, I don't think Boise State's very good. Oregon's much better now that they have that quarterback back. Um, Oregon. See, this is interesting, is, right? This is a heads or tails one, really. Yeah. I don't think either of us feel strongly about this. I'm going to take the underdog. Yeah, I'll take Boise as well. Oh, this is not very interesting. But yeah. We're totally paying on everything. Podcast but, experimentation. Yeah, this is like real in the wild shit. Uh Marshall getting five and a half from Colorado State. Um, I'm going to take Marshall. Okay, we have a disagreement. I, I, I think I make Colorado 6.7, so or Colorado State, so I'm on Colorado State. All right. Are we going to let's do this for dinner in Vegas the next time we're there, too? That be fun. I like it. We need some, so, so basically, like for about 800 bucks, huh? I'm going to get a really nice bottle of wine, irregardless of whether you're paying or I'm paying. Uh, you and your fucking irregardless. <laughs> Arkansas State uh, getting giving three and a half to Middle Tennessee State. Uh, I'll take Arkansas State. I will I make them a five-point favorite. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Florida Atlantic <laughs> giving 22 and a half to Akron. Oh, Acorn. man, Akron, Akron, Akron. I'm going to take Akron plus the 22 and a half. I'm on Acorn as well. Oh, I didn't even know. I know. This, so, so basically, we're going to have a bet on Marshall, Colorado State. <laughs> yeah, it's going to all come down to that. SMU giving five to Louisiana. Sorry, getting giving five to Louisiana Tech. I'm having a lot of trouble with this right now. Shmoo. Um, God, SMU... Uh, I'm going to go with SMU minus the five. I'll take Tech plus the five. All right. And, and another coin flip game, basically, with no value either way. But All right. And that's that's where we are. That brings us oh, well, that brings up to Thursday. So Thursday is our last game, which is Temple versus Florida International. Temple is a seven-point flav- favorite over you. Well, it's just a lot of complicated words to say. Um, gallivant choice. I'm, I'm going to gallivant with the owls the owls minus seven yeah because I think they should be a seven and a half point favorite so I'm going to just run, with, take with, run with that value seven, just to be different just, just, just like, so that we don't tie so we don't just yeah. split the bill is that the, is that the real reason yeah it's not okay. really fun. Uh, you're taking temple minus seven alright there we go so maybe next, maybe for next week's podcast, I'll try to do a little bit more research on this, so I can have some differing opinions at least from you. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter who could give you a lot of opinions. I bet. <laughs> That's the thing about Twitter; everyone has opinions. Hey, back to the bowl games. So do you try to handicap motivation at all? I, I mean, I kind of know the answer to this, but uh, you know, I, I wish I could, but. I'm no longer a 21-year-old college student, so I don't know how they think anymore. 
And so you're saying actually, that like if you were a 21 year old college student, you'd be able to figure out motivation better. Maybe, but but at that point, I didn't really know statistics that well, so I wouldn't have been able to quantify it. So there's the so how how have you guys done historically just using your straight numbers in bowls? We've done really really well actually. I think a few years. It was last year or the year before we, well, actually every year we enter the uh, solid verbal podcasts, like bowl confidence pick them thing. By the way, the solid verbal is an amazing college football podcast if you're looking for a good one. Anyway, um, I think we, we've we done it just with our straight numbers picks without doing motivation or anything. And I think we got like out of like 1,100 people, we got like third place or something. And we didn't really win anything because there wasn't any prize pool unfortunately um but you know we've done i think the year after that we're in the top 10 percent. so yeah, i mean a lot of people spend a lot of time with the bulls thinking about motivation and it's almost like you're saying like hey this isn't um it might just be noise in terms of you know like quantifying it and and this is like we'll get into this later but this is going to be a theme of today's podcast which is like modeling these intangibles like you saw it a lot in the nfl uh, this week where people were shaping narratives after the fact about like how obvious certain things should have been. Um, and people do it in bowls too. If a team gets blown out after their coach leaves or something like that, all of a sudden, like if UCF loses or gets blown out, it's all going to be because of Scott Frost leaving. That's going to be the reason. And if they win and cover, it's going to all be about how the team crystallized or galvanized around um, whatever coach. their interim coaches or whoever it is. They, they really like that guy. I bet that's going to be the statement. Um, exactly. I mean, I, I do think you have the whole, I mean, players sitting out for the draft, which is becoming a more common thing, that actually, I would think, has a real impact. But that's something I don't factor in as well. But but I'll, I'll say one thing. There is a little more shrinkage. Um, and I don't mean just when I get out of cold water. I mean, it like the fact that, you know, let's say you have two teams that are 15 points apart. Like, I don't expect that that one team to be. 15 points better in the bowl game i think they're going to be more like 14 points better so that's um, like because that, like, there's the akron, a little more randomness the akron situation is definitely one of those right oh for sure yeah what um which of these games you know are is there any real value on i mean we kind of went through it but i, I do want to at least give our listeners some concept of whether we think there's any real value on these uh troy troy at minus seven troy minus seven akron i mean Akron's break even play basically. I mean, it's if you that's your one percent play. If you want a one percent edge, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that line goes up a little bit because it could. You know, obviously people getting excited about FAU. So maybe if that line goes up, that might be something to watch. At twenty two and a half, we're saying it's a slight positive play. Right. Um, Troy is really the one that you think has. How about how about Western Kentucky? You know, it's is it moved too much? Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's another. Yeah, no, that's not even positive anymore. I mean, if if you were after I regressed to the market number, yeah, it's not positive. Okay. All right. Let's move so on to NFL. Okay. Let's move on to NFL. Um, I imagine that the Wentz injury is is not something that's that's uh, that's making you very happy right now. With your, no, it isn't. With it, it, as a holder of a lot of Eagles futures tickets, it does not make me happy. What and you, as a modeler of statistics and one who prefers less work to more work, it's also not making me happy. What do you so far like? What is that work 
shown you in terms of the value of Wentz versus um, Nick Foles? Well, here's the thing. It's modeling quarterback injuries in season is very difficult with the Massey Peabody methodology we have as of now, because we basically with the um, we do this hierarchical modeling mixed effects, you know, HLM, whatever. There's a bunch of names for it, but to differentiate the effect of quarterback from the team's offense. And so basically there's no real easy way to deal with that, like allocating um credit or blame in season. So we basically look at surplus value over the expectation um, and assign it, give, give that to the team's offense during the season. So basically the fact that the Eagles have been far exceeded expectation, meaning when, and that's largely been due to Carson Wentz's play is not going to be really, we're, we're not really able to account for that. Well, so this is definitely a limitation of the model and one that I'm we've, you know, I and we, me and Cade have been trying to um, brainstorm ways to work around. And, and I think we're going to really delve into it this off season. But right now I, I, I only make foals about like a two point downgrade, a little more than two. Would you say it's fair to say that your model like really underestimates the differences in quarterback injuries? I mean, maybe that the maybe that the impact of quarterback injuries has a high variance and like your model is always going to be sort of more towards the center of that distribution than the edges. No, no, no. I think in some cases it would overestimate the impact. Like I think that we would have Brady is like I'm looking right now at my little Chart, handy handy chart I made with quarterback versus replacement uh, versus injured backup quarterback and um, or sorry backup you know relative to replacing an injured starter um, and you know I have Brady is worth a little over eight points over Hoyer huh and you and and, and if Rogers comes back that's five and a half points relative to Hunley. But the market it's just it's 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 that it's guys that have a big that have a proven track record um, that are the guys that are going to be worth them worth more in my model because they're going to have a both a fixed and a random effect um, that are pretty, pretty high because it takes time. And in a Bayesian model, it takes time to sort of um, to get that status in the model, I guess. Got it. Um, so it, it's interesting, though, because you say that it underestimated it, but, you know, I don't think that's true compared to the market. Right. Because we we saw that, you know, when when Hundley came in there, there was a lot of times your model was indicating betting on Green Bay. So the mar- you may think like that's a big swing, but c- clearly the market thought it was even bigger. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't have had value on Green Bay. That That's actually true. and But I don't really think that. I think it's hard to have a quarterback worth 10 points over a backup. And that's what the market kind of thought. I think the market, to be honest, I thought the market overreacted to Hunley struggling initially. But yeah, I mean, it was, who am I to say? It was tough. It was tough to watch though, because it did look like he was, was really struggling. And, and, you know, part of it also, also I, I still contend was, was play calling and scheme that was just, making him look worse than he was. Now he's, he's running a little bit more. And anyways, um, so in well, it's also hard. It's, it's also hard to like, without any NFL experience, it's hard to come in and play like, like you've been playing for a while. 
And that's one thing that Foles does have. Foles has a lot of NFL experience as a starting quarterback. Well, what's interesting is there there was a thing on Twitter which showed Foles' career with Jeff Fisher versus without Jeff Fisher. And his numbers without Jeff Fisher are considerably better. And it really gets down to this idea that like quarterback play can be very, very correlated or very um you know, it can be influenced quite a bit, obviously, by coaching, which is which is a very obvious statement. But like you look at like a guy like Case Keenum this year, um, he certainly performed much better than he has in his career. And I wonder if that's a function of coaching or scheme compared to like what he's been in. And maybe maybe it's just the team he's on, whatever. But it'll be interesting. I think I think Foles is I personally think Foles will, is going to do fine. I think he's going to be I think the the Eagles are going to be fine. I think they're now you know, not necessarily the odds on favorite to win the NFC, but right there with, you know, Minnesota and, and New Orleans and, and whatnot um, to win that NFC. So, yeah, I, I agree. And and it's obviously it's difficult to quantify the effect of a coach, but it does seem like Jeff Fisher certainly has, especially for a defensive coach, done a remarkable job of hurting quarterbacks. Yeah. He's a remarkable job of hurting lots of people. Um, he's uh it's amazing that that guy had a job for as long as he did. So quick, quick um, segue into some of the themes that I think that I've been seeing that have been breaking your model a little bit. Um, last couple of weeks, you've liked the team playing San Francisco. Do you think that is you're underestimating Jimmy G or is this, you know, just short, small sample size? I, my guess is that you're going to end up liking San Francisco again this week against, I mean, sorry, uh, Tennessee this week against San Francisco. Um, you're correct on the second point. And yes, I do think I'm underestimating Jimmy G relative to the market. I don't know if, I mean, it, it certainly seems like the market is more right than I am. But at the same time, you know, I underestimated the Indianapolis Colts in 2012 with Andrew Luck at the beginning when they were succeeding. I underestimated like the, I think the Seahawks a bit with Wilson at the very beginning, but and those are times when I think my model was wrong, but there's also a lot of times like when Case Keenum started hot um, with, wait, was he with the Texans first or the Rams? He's been with Texans. Both. I think the Texans right, first. Right. So and basically, the Rams. there's a lot of times when a quarterback um, plays a few good games as a starter and then people think, oh, this guy's actually good, and right. he doesn't end up being that good even if he's a high pick. So, so I you, think that there's, uh, so, so, the, so my point is we don't know, we don't know right. if I'm right. So or you're going to, you're going to stick, you're going to stick with your numbers here and you're going to continue betting against Jimmy G. Yeah, I am because I, I you like, know, he's really good. Looking. I, don't, I don't have to, I he's don't like have to be exceedingly good looking. He's like yeah. much better looking than you or I combined. What, what about relative to Tom Brady? He's better looking than Tom Brady. Well, what if we took what if we took the the Asian anti-aging part of you and then my actual good looks and put it together? I think that you're misspeaking about your actual good looks, but um, well, you'll have to post a picture on Twitter just to make sure everyone knows what you look like. So there is more relevance to this conversation than just two subjective wow. opinions. There needs to be some data. Well, let's do, let's do a Twitter poll. Who's better looking? <laughs> yeah, that, that would really go over well. I, I can't wait for the comments and the trolling that we'd get there. Um, moving over to one other... No, wait, but wait, wait. Here's the thing. With, with Jimmy G, yes, I can be I can be wrong but still be right, I think. And the fact that the, my numbers differ so much from the market on this 
my numbers don't have to necessarily be right. I just need to be not th- that far off, I guess. Even yeah, if, no, I, I, if, if Garoppolo is worth three more points than my model thinks he is, I still have value on Tennessee. No, no, I, I get it. I understand. I just think this is one of those classic cases where you have to question your model sometimes, or you have to question. And, and again, like this is this, you liked Cincy last week, right? And Cincy got their ass kicked by the bears. And now everyone, I mean, everyone's coming out of the woodwork to say like, Oh, it was so obvious since he had lost the 17 point lead to their arch rivals and had been in this terrible game and blah, blah, blah. We should have all known that. Um, you know, it, it's obviously really easy to shape the narrative after the fact, you know, how do you how do you think through this or is is there is there something that, you know, makes you is this something that you kick yourself and say, damn it, I shouldn't have better. Or you just like chalk it up and say, hey, that's one game and I can't quantify everything. If I could, I'd be, you know, making a, winning 100 percent and I'd be living in Budapest in a castle in Budapest or something. Ah, which castle, though? I, I don't know. I don't know. anything okay. about Budapest. Um, maybe in the parliament building. It was pretty. But I like Cincy every week, it seems like. And I, I hate liking them because they're an ugly team. And from what I've seen of them, they, I mean, watching Cincinnati is almost as boring as watching the Ravens. So it, it's just not a lot of fun. <laughs> the Ravens but have I, had like a high-powered offense the last two weeks. I don't know what you're talking about. I just mean over the course of the years, the Ravens yeah. are literally the most boring team to watch in the NFL. It's because they run a lot, right? I mean, they run a yeah, lot. It's it's... I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they bore me to death all the time. But, you know, yes, like I do think that this is a case where you're right to question the model and say, okay, is this correct? Um, Or at least, sorry, San Francisco is. I think Cincinnati, cases like this give you things to think about, I guess. So I feel like I get the most... I get more ideas about how to improve models during the season than during the off season when I really have time to actually deal with like trying to make model improvements because I sort of, you know, am following the season and sort of see that particular cases where the model might not account for something. Why don't you, why don't you write some of this stuff down so that you're, oh, I, I do every season. I do. Yeah, I do. And although most of the, th- I, the problem is I don't have enough patience. So I end up trying to sort of explore it during the season anyway. And, you know, the last week I've kind of been going through and looking at situational stuff and trying to look at it sort of fundamentally, because obviously I do account for I I say, you know, situational stuff is is bogus, but there are what I really mean mean is that situational stuff should be able to be fundamentally handicapped. For example, teams coming off a buy are going to do better. You know, they're you know, a buy is worth about like a point to a point and a half. That's something that is like in my model. Um, so there so are I things wonder, like that that I can look at. Like I did look at stuff like, okay, what about this week? For example, I looked at how, does how a team did against a team they already played right. affect how they'll do against them the second time around answer. No, it doesn't. Right. So wait, so how about this for like a, a mini sort of objective subjective thing, right? You, you look at that Cincy line, your model comes out. I think last week I remember it was like Cincy was like six and a half. You thought they should have been like eight and a half or something like that. Eleven. There's eleven. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a lot more. That's a lot more than I thought the difference was or the delta was. Because I was going to say basically all like, year. yeah, yeah, and and you know part of that my guess is the value of that was coming from people 
building in this idea that since he was going to let down, um, I do think the market priced that in a little bit. I don't think that was new information. And that, and that's part of this whole thing, right? Like the idea of what information is actually priced in the line and 95% of the information almost always is going to be priced in the line. It's when you think about things differently than the market or, or when you have a, a model. And that's why like, it's so important to have a model because that's the only thing that can really help you extract um, you know, the, what, what you see versus what the market is seeing or what the numbers see versus what the market is seeing. Um, I think this is a good segue into like the Federator this week in touts. And, and I think it's, you know, I, I mentioned to you uh, off the air that I went on a Chad Millman's podcast this week and called him out on the stuff that you talked about regarding the Patriots where you made a, he made a big point in his, and I basically gave him crap about the way that he covers sports betting. And he said like, listen, I'm, I need to draw narratives because narratives are interesting. And, you know, my point to him was like, listen, like the the problem with the narratives is you're making people like the recreational better believe the narratives can help you beat sports betting. And that's potentially very dangerous. So this idea of, of, you know, where you are on a lot of this stuff, which I find interesting is like, you're not above or you you don't believe, you believe that there are all, all sorts of factors that can shape performance. You just want to be able to quantify those beyond like looking at a, you know, three week or three month historical trend, you want to actually like look and see how do teams perform, not relative to the market in those situations, but relative to how you would thought they have, would have um, performed based on what your model would say, correct? No, exactly. I, I don't want to rely on the market being as efficient or inefficient as it's been in the past. I want to be able to actually quantify how much this actually affects performance rather than performance relative to expectation. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, Chad and I talked a little bit more about sort of the, the Patriot stuff and, and just his responsibility. And, and we, we got into a lot of this whole tout selling stuff. Um, and he was really, he, I don't think he legitimately, you know, I think he legitimately never thought about this sort of moral hazard of the, the content that he gives out and how misleading it can be to people. Um, in terms of like actually like making people think that there are wins and losses. And like the other thing that we've talked about, and this is segues into a question that was asked on Twitter, was just this notion of like the sharps versus the 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 and and the idea that like people in Vegas know who sharps are betting on. Um, is that true? Like are there lots of sharps in Vegas still? Are there lots of sharps in Vegas? Yeah, I would say there definitely are sharps in Vegas. Like if Matty Gold from from CG Technologies or, you know, someone from William Hill, if they, if they say like, hey, the sharps are on X or this amount's being bet on account versus versus over, do you believe that kind of information is useful in terms of understanding sharps versus touts? I, I don't know if they're sorry, sharps just, versus public. Well, well, I'll say this: I don't know if they're just looking at their own ledger to determine that. I think they're probably looking at the line moves versus the money or versus how many bets they have on particular side. Um, because, you know, the amount of action in one particular book isn't going to be that indicative. And Do you think it's possible to actually look at a line and say, this is the sharp side versus this is the square side? Well, well, okay, you could... I don't... Th- uh, that's a complicated question because... It's a it good question, what though, isn't number. it? It made, you, yes. it made you stutter a little bit, so that's but good. It's, it's a good question. But it's a misleading question because... Or was it all the drinks that you say, had tonight? Let's say the line was minus... Hey, let's say the line opened at minus nine and a half and it moved up to minus 11. And 
Or actually, maybe so moves, hold on. Moves wait, wait, we need a narrative. Why don't we say it moved? Let's say it opened at plus eleven, and it moved to plus nine and a half. Okay. The sharps so, were on so, plus eleven. That's what that's what the narrative is going to be. Right. If if the same people made the same bet at plus eleven and the line didn't move, the sharps wouldn't have been on plus eleven. That's my opinion. I think that a lot of it so, is. So based it's, on, it's the books interpreting who's sharp and who's not. Well, books, a good book should interpret, like, should profile their clients and be able to. Well, we know all the offshore, stuff, all the offshore right? books for sure. They profile their oh, clients. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. And I think, and obviously books in Vegas do to some extent as well as, you know, that's why I can't bet at William Hill, for example. But I, I don't know if it's. Was that a humble brag? Same degree. Humble brag? Is it a humble brag? No, no, that, 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 that's me trying to, you know, hoping Nick Bogdanovich will reconsider, but. <laughs> I mean, Nick was, I was like talking to Nick at one point to be on this podcast or to be part of the a podcast that I was going to do before. So maybe the two of you guys can have it out on this podcast. No, I, you know, I've golfed with him actually after this and, and he was like, yeah, it's out of my control, man. Yeah. Sort of like not being allowed to play blackjack places. Whenever they used to tell me I couldn't play blackjack, like they're like, sorry, Jeff, we can't allow you to play blackjack here anymore. I used to ask, always ask them if I could still play slots. And that would always like throw them for a loop because they weren't sure how to answer that. What did they say? Were they afraid that you were like had some sort of inside information on how to beat the machine? I mean, I am the man beating the machine every week on this podcast. So, or at least last week I did. But well, one and zero last week, huh? I think you're <laughs> losing still. I am definitely losing still. I, I'm, I'm the slot machine. I'm touting my one and zero last week. Um, so, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, I think that you know this notion again, like of sharp. I, I just you know, like you said it last week, right? Like, and people always talk about, oh, the sharps every week are on on Cleveland, and I would certainly consider you to be a sharp better. I think people around Vegas offshore, et cetera, would, ex- would think of you as a sharp better. And you have not been on Cleveland. You've been on Cleveland maybe twice or two or three times this year. So I think this I think notion I've been against them more than I've been on them, actually. I think this notion of like sharp, it's funny because sports betting, everything becomes a narrative. Like this notion of like sharp versus not sharp has become this narrative. And, and it's, it's again, like when I listen to some of these other mainstream media podcasts and they talk about like sharps or square sides, they have no effing clue what they're talking about because they'll talk about square sides, and oftentimes I'll know that you are. Um, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll know that you are the one, or you are your your group is, or whoever you are, you're on the the square quote unquote square side. So how can it be the square side when one of the sharpest betters I know is on the square side? Well, but here's the thing: you're going to have sharps on both sides of every game and squares on both sides of every game. That's just the way it is. Right. So there's no such thing. Anyways, I guess the question is, is there such thing as a square or sharp side? And we're basically saying, like, not really. I mean, like, it's just an interpretation. Um, do you well, I mean, if you if you actually knew who was betting the different sides, you could figure it out, I think. But a lot of the time, too, you have to deal with trying to figure out if moves are real moves or if someone's trying to set something up. Because and I know you wrote down someone asked, how do you balance limits with getting the best? number and i think for different betters it's a different uh sort of calculus like billy walters is he you know he's i don't know if he, what he's still doing but i know in the past you know he would set up lines basically so the early moves would be the false moves and he would try to get people to think that those were the 
you know, the sharp side, and then you'd come and pound the other side later on. So I think that versus if you're not, you know, if you're a smaller better or you're not trying to manipulate markets, you're going to try to get down as early as you can um, when the limit is large enough. And so that early week line move is going to be more predictive in that case for those types, you know, if you have a sharp better. So is is Billy Walters the sharpest better you know? Is that the sports better you respect the most? Or is there another one that you, who, who, I've asked you this, or we've talked about this and we've never talked about it on the podcast. Who's the sports better you respect the most? Um, You know, I, I guess in terms of, especially what they can do to a line, I mean, it has to be Billy Walters, doesn't it? I don't know. I mean, who I don't, else. I've I, never I really talked to him, so it's hard for me to know because, like, you know, for I've never me, met him either. Yeah, no, but I'm I'm just saying, like, for me, like, it's all when I say our podcast is called Bet the Process, right? It's it's all about listening to someone's process, and f- you know, I I respect your opinion a lot. You're one of the sports betters I respect the most. Um, in basketball, I respect Ralabob a lot. Like, if you've ever talked to him about just about basketball and about everything he just he just understands things and he, he's super smart and astute about things um there's a baseball guy that i don't know if i should talk about gambling because i don't know if he'd want me to i'll probably have to ask him on twitter if it's okay if i talk about it but there's a baseball guy that i respect a lot also um tell me after just, the show yeah uh i will i've actually wanted to have him on this podcast i've, I've mentioned it to him so maybe maybe one day he'll be on it um, maybe one day we'll have a guest yeah, we. I don't know if we have the technology for that, or if people would tolerate being a guest on ours. So, anyways, so you're more Billy Walters. Is there anyone else, like someone you've actually met, whose whose process you respect? So honestly, you put this question down for last week's podcast, and I thought about it, and and I wasn't, you know, sure because I feel like if there's anybody that I really do respect, I wouldn't feel comfortable call like talking about them. Um, yeah, I mean that's the same way I feel about the the baseball guy I'm referencing. Like, I yeah. I don't don't want to like, and that's therein lies like the real thing. Like that's why we're 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 if we were tout or sharp, we'd be touts right now because we're talking about all this stuff publicly. So the minute we do, we probably stop being sharps and we become touts. No. Yep. Not not gonna not yep. gonna have go. a self self. Uh, what is that called when you make fun of yourself? Self and self ingratiating self. Self, what's the word? Anyways, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. There we go. Uh, I knew uh, there was uh, a word there in our future. And I'm, um, I, and I'm the guy that's been drinking, not you. Yeah. How do you know? It's it's two forty here. Yeah. Two forty here. Five o'clock somewhere. How about live betting? Um, we've gotten this question a bunch of times from um, the same guy. I think from the same guy. I think we both. I, my guess is you feel the same way I do. There's probably tons of value in live betting. Um, it's a hard thing because you've probably got to bet it a lot. Like you've got to sit there and constantly bet it. And it probably requires a pretty large bankroll to do effectively. And, um, it's, it's probably, um, a thing. You don't have a bankroll, huh? Long haul. Well, I mean, I don't, it's one thing to have a bankroll. It's another thing to have like a bankroll that you can deploy like in live betting like that. You know what I mean? Well, you have to be aware of your position, your prior positions accumulated during the game, of course. But I think here, here's the thing. I used to think live betting was the future and that was the way I was going to, you know, succeed just coming up with a really good math model. And, you know, that, but here's the thing. I think the books all 
event, we're, we're getting towards a place where the books are going to all have math models that are pretty similar using your, you know, your pregame spread in total and what's happened so far just based on score differential time remaining. And, you know, it's, it's not rocket science to get something that's decent there. I mean, I'm not saying everybody in the world can do it, but I mean, it's not like you or I could both find somebody to model this or model it ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And, um, and so I think that, to be honest, like, I, I think that the fe- I was thinking about what the future is for this. Like, where where is get, if there is an advantage for me in the future of live betting, where is it going to be? And I think that there's a saying you can either, like, do, you know, look, you're looking for a needle in the haystack. Um, you can either, like, you know, dig deeper or whatever, or just try to find a different haystack or something. I'm botching this entirely, but, but. I, yeah, I think that's I, sort of what, but but you you, you get the you get my, the gist right, and so yeah, there's just there's just bigger fish to fry than this because there's a lot of gonna be a lot of smart minds trying to beat this, and the sim it's the similar, um, anyways, sim, models so, so, will be so similar. Here's the thing, it, I'm still gonna need a baseline model, but right. I think the key to winning is gonna be figuring out the stuff that other people aren't valuing properly, and valuing it better yourself, like. And a lot of that actually is narrative type stuff. It is sort of more situational. It's like figuring out um, that which you know how how much LeBron's three fouls in the first quarter and a half are worth to his playing time going forward. Things like that. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's go into uh, man versus machine. Let's start up the machine. By the way, I just noticed on my handy dandy sports action app. That that Troy line went down to six and a half while we've been on air. So there's more Damn. value on Troy all of a sudden. That's because I hit plus seven, so I could get a middle. <laughs> all right, let's get going here. game okay I, i'm the int- I'm, I'm the host for man versus machine so i'm not you know get my bearings here okay so um by that i mean pull up the lines denver the thursday night game denver is a two and a half point favorite at indianapolis machine makes them a 3.2 point favorite machine is on denver I'm going to be on the new rejuvenated Denver Broncos led by the second best quarterback in the league, Trevor Simeon. Rejuvenated. And I'm just coming from Israel. Can I say that on the air? You just did. (laughs) Okay. Next. Okay. Um, Detroit minus five and a half hosting Chicago machine is on Chicago as machine only has Chicago as a four point underdog. I also like Chicago. Here's my favorite game of the week. Kansas yeah. City, we're one point underdog. Like, we're, we're both going to like Kansas City. Oh, I know. Oh, I need to. You I love, love Kansas so City. Oh, I love, love them. them. You love them. I make them minus 3.35. Yep. I, I love them so much that I'm willing to go to a hundredth of a place, decimal place. <laughs> um, okay, go. so. Yep. So so we're we're on the same side there. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia minus seven and a half at the Giants. I'm, I make that seven. So nothing there. 
Carolina, Green Bay, nothing there as well. I make that a two-point spread. Cincy, Minnesota. And by the way, that's – oh, actually, wait, never mind. Um, Carolina is up to a six-point favorite. So I, I assume that there's informa- injury news about Rodgers not playing. Is that right? I don't know. I just – based on the fact that the I saw numbers of like two and a half earlier today, and now it's five and a half. I assume it's like it means six, Rodgers. Yeah, it must be Rodgers isn't okay. playing. Because I, I made my number based on Rodgers, which is annoying because I made it based on Hundley like, on, like yesterday. And then, okay. Let's skip that for now, because um, I think well I had him worth five, right? So it's so I still won't have value basically. Um, Minnesota minus ten and a half against Cincinnati. I, Machine likes Cincinnati. Surprise uh, isn't uh, I make them only eight and a half point dog. Um, yeah, I'll take Cincy also. I think that's too many points. Um, skip Miami Buffalo because we don't know who the quarterback for Buffalo is, or even if it, he will be a quarterback, he might be a tight end. Who knows? Um, Logan Thomas, just saying Jacksonville minus 10 and a half. Is that right? 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Against Houston machine is on Houston machine makes Houston only a seven point dog. Yeah. I like Houston also. Ooh, big spread of the week. New Orleans, a 16-point favorite against the Jets. Machine is on the Jets, a 13.3. Yeah, I'll take the Jets also. They take away your wise guy card if you play blah, blah, blah. Anyways, go ahead. Okay, Washington, minus 4.5 against Arizona. Make it minus 4.7. On to the next. Baltimore, minus 7. 7? At Cleveland. By the way, here's, you know, all the sharps are on Cleveland. Machine is on Baltimore, making them an 11-point favorite. I like Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, there you go. You get to keep your sharp card. I I lose mine. (laughs) I don't know if I ever had a sharp card. You know, Cleveland, I feel like the square in me or just the intuitive gut feeling inside of me says Cleveland's going to win the game outright. But I hope not, given my Ravens features. Anyway, Seattle, minus two. I make against the Rams. I make them two point one, so nothing there. New England minus three now against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. I make it two and a half, so we don't have anything there. Uh, the Jimmy G Classic, San Francisco a two point favorite against Tennessee. I make Tennessee a six and a half point favorite. So Machine is on Tennessee. Yeah, I like Tennessee also. That's too many points. I mean, look, I could be, I could be wrong by. No, five I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's like, like it's, points. it's just, it's just, it's like crazy. It's a crazy yeah. line. And honestly, I thought that Houston line was crazy last week too. Well, but it's, it's crazy it, like it, a fox. Yeah, uh, Dallas, Oakland. I make it three. The market's at three. Nothing there. And lastly, Atlanta, Tampa. The market's at six. I make it five and a half. So nothing there as well. So that's right, so the only machine. disagreement was Cleveland. So we get down to Cleveland. Last week it was Miami plus eleven that I had, and now this is Cleveland plus seven. It's it's great to be back on the Cleveland bandwagon. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. So, so wait, wait, we're we're seeing fewer differences between man and the machine. The question is, is this a case of machine learning? <laughs> oh, 
I'm gonna yeah. just leave. I'm gonna leave that right there. Uh, all right, let's do our super contest picks. We were one and four last week. We can't seem to get out of our own way. After a five and zero week, we went one and four. I think we got to go perfect the rest of the season. Yeah. Get back but like Mark Sanchez. All right, I think we're taking KC plus the one. That's no doubt. I think we're taking Tennessee plus the two as well. I think so. Yeah. I think I think we shouldn't take Baltimore Cleveland at all. I think we should sort of have a more moratorium on on Cleveland, Cleveland please, games. Please. No, because, okay. I think we got to take Cincy. They're like our poster child, plus ten and a half, right? Wait, I have a question for you. This is a, like according to the rules. If we wanted, could we have a could we have an entry where we had both Baltimore minus seven and Cleveland plus seven in the same entry? I think so. Yeah. Should we do that? Yes. So, so, I mean, you could if, well, if we were in first place by like five games, then I would love to do that. Uh, Let's finish this off. I'm going to go meet with some lawyers. So let's finish this off. Okay. So wait, wait. So right now we have Tennessee and we have Kansas City. We have Tennessee and we have Kansas City. We have Kansas and Cincinnati, I think, plus ten and a half. Sorry? Cincinnati plus? Cincinnati plus ten and a half against Ah. Minnesota. Yep. Okay, we can do that. Um, and I'm going to say we take Houston plus 11. Sure. Or 10 and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Houston, That's we have a problem. Down. Houston, we don't have a no, problem. No, no. I mean, yeah, I no, don't I know like if I want that or the Jets. But how do you feel about the Jets? Bryce Petty. How do I feel about Bryce Petty? Uh, we can take that. We'll just take a bunch of big dogs. The Jets plus 16. Call it a day. Let's do it. So we have KC plus one, Tennessee plus two, Cincinnati plus 10.5, Houston plus 11, and the Jets plus 16. Let the record note that I wanted to take Cleveland plus seven. Let record the record note that I wanted to take Baltimore minus seven. There you go. <laughs> Duly- and let the record note that now we all we get to keep our sharp cards because we bet underdogs. There we Tell go. Tell Chad. Yeah, we're underdogs, double-digit underdogs too. It's oh, a time okay. axi- time-tested axiom, pressure-tested, pressure-tested axiom. All right, guys, thanks for this time this week. Uh, Rufus is headed to Ireland. If you guys want to do a, a Rufus welcoming party in Dublin, um, but other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.